we would commit to you and love you and respond to you as you wish us to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus has given before. 
Um, and he wants to know what Jesus thinks the greatest commandment is. What do you think of when I say commandment? Law. Yeah, the law. And probably the Ten Commandments? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. yeah. Can anyone remember them? Yes! Yes! Let's see if we go. What's number one? which they can't really 
physically keep? Is, isn't that like setting them up to fail? Um, so what's the theme of the series we're doing at the moment? Because obviously it's about Mark, but it's got a theme as well. Grace. Mm, sin is one of them. Sin, holiness, and God. Yeah, sin, holiness, and God. Or God, sin, and holiness. Or so that's the purpose of these commandments. So, that, so the commandments are there for God to help, for God to help the people understand Him and His heart and kind of different aspects of Him, um, and that may seem a bit difficult at first. But actually, if you read through the commandments, you start to get an idea of what what God is really like, and so you see that He's like a God of justice. He hates bribery, he hates perjury, and he hates land grabbing. And he wants his people to hate them as well. Um, and also, he's a God that cares about the poor, orphans, refugees, and workers. And he commands his people to help those people and care for them. And he's also a God who's holy, who's different and separate. And he calls for his people to kind of demonstrate this through all sorts of laws, such as only wearing clothing made out of one kind of cloth. So no polycotton, it has to be cotton or polyester, but not both at the same time. They probably didn't have polyester, did they? But you get what I mean. Um, so not sowing more than one type of seeds in one field. That's a no-no. Um, not eating certain unclean foods and not marrying people that didn't worship God. And also, he's a God that comes across as awesome and mighty and worthy of all honour and praise. And yet, he talks about his people and to his people as his dearly beloved children, like he's their father or their mother, and he's teaching them and disciplining them for their own good. And we can read all these commandments and be totally overwhelmed by their intricacy. It's like about to love you, and I don't know how many goats you're supposed to give as a sacrifice and all that kind of thing. Or we can read them and be be shocked by the seeming strictness or harshness um, of some of them as well. But the point of that is as well that sin has fatal consequences. So a blood sacrifice is required in payment for sin. And actually, we read about the different kind of sacrifices <coughs> that people in the Old Testament needed to do in order to kind of atone, to pay back for their sin. But actually, the sacrifices that were specified in the commandments did not in themselves pay the price for the sins committed. They were like a symbol of faith in God, that the God who's just, but also merciful, would somehow, in some way that the people didn't really understand, redeem his people, and this was like a symbol of it. So back to the guy on the passage. Um, so was he asking because he was overwhelmed by the number of commandments? Was he hoping that some of them could be quietly ditched? Was he worried that he didn't have God's favour? But whichever it was, he genuinely seems to want to know what Jesus thinks. So he says, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus responds, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second one is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And this is a well-known Bible bit, so you may have heard it before, you may have heard it before earlier. 
but if you haven't or you hadn't heard it, you might feel a bit surprised by Jesus' response. <laughs> I imagine the Pharisees might have responded by saying, they're all important, you have to keep them all, otherwise God will be really angry. Exactly. But this is a trap that we fall into, thinking that God has given his commandments in order to trip us up. Or maybe to like weed out those who are not really that committed to him. Or we can use, this, use it like a point system. So we can compare our sin scores with other people, either like to make ourselves feel better or to like see where we need to improve. But Jesus hones in on love as being the centre of everything. Here's your first priority. Love God. And not just in theory or just with your emotions, but love him practically too, with your mind, with all of your strength, so in the things that you do. And your second priority is to love your neighbour as yourself. You see, the religious leaders of the day had made it all about keeping the rules and lost sight of the heart of God. They'd lost sight of the reasons behind the commandments, and they lost sight of why the commandments had been given them into the first place. And that was to demonstrate God's justice, mercy, and love to all of the peoples around them. <coughs> On the other hand, you might hear Jesus' response and be surprised for another reason, maybe because he doesn't declare the law null and void. You don't need those petty rules now, just believe in me, was not what Jesus said, but it might be what you expect him to say. In Matthew 5.17, Jesus says this, Do not think, that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. And he also says this, Therefore anyone who sets aside one, one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you'll certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoops. So I'm pretty sure that my clothes are made of mixed fabrics, and I completely forgot to take the first strawberries from my garden to, like, dedicate to God at the temple. Hmm? <laughs> so, have we totally messed up? Yes. Yep. So are we as Christians still supposed to be following all 613 of the commandments? Yes. Well, I don't have a house. Because I can't knock it down. You're fine on the building front. That's good. Nor do I have children to sacrifice to the god. What's his face? Molech. Molech. Does it indicate that you can like sacrifice your children to God? Oh yes, you can say yes. You can't sacrifice your children to Molech or whatever his face is. You can't do other jobs. No child sacrifices. So we've already said that, but humanly speaking, you can't keep all of these. We're done, goose. But Jesus, who is God's son who is both fully God and fully human, did keep them. And that's actually what Jesus means when it says he's not come to abolish it, but to fulfil it. 
he fulfills it by meeting all of the requirements of the law. And Jesus is having a little bit of a poke at the Pharisees here, because he's saying, like, you can hear him being quite sarcastic here. He's like, you need to be even holier than them. But to be fair, that's not typical. Yeah, because they knew they were hypocrites. And they were just, like, outwardly unrighteous at the end. Jesus wasn't outwardly righteous. Jesus loved his father God with all of his heart and mind and soul and strength. He loved going away to a quiet place to talk to his father in heaven. And he's, he was obedient as to what his father had to do. Um, it says he was obedient to death, even death on the cross. And Jesus loved his neighbour as himself. It says there's great, no, no greater sign of love than this, to lay down your life for your friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. So if you put your faith in Jesus as your saviour, then actually he has taken the punishment for your sins and swapped it so that in exchange you get his righteousness instead. So your righteousness will surpass that of the Pharisees because you've been given Jesus' righteousness. So we no longer live under this old law, but under this law of Christ, which is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, and to love our neighbours as ourselves. But what does this mean for our lives? In the first place, God never commands us to do anything that he doesn't help us to do. So actually, if you're sitting here and wondering how you can possibly love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, then actually I encourage you to ask God about that. It requires you to keep turning to God and relying on him. So how about this? I could tell you that in order to prove your devotion, you should go home and make sure that every day you read your Bible and you prayed without fail. But that would be me trying to place, like, that would be me trying to place you under the law. Whereas actually, that's, that's not what this is about. This is about you deciding that you are going to devote yourself to God. It's up to you. And then working out what that looks like for you. It's like between you and God. For every person, it's going to be different because God made you differently, even though you're all made in his image. You're all a little bit of a different part of it. And in terms of loving your neighbour, if I told you to go and do a good deed, to someone every day and you might feel a bit put upon but at least you'd know whether you'd passed or failed right but again that's missing the point the point is that you can never love God or your neighbor enough to justify yourself and be like done it today I reached my goal of loving my neighbor tick it's not about doing a minimum it's not about achieving a certain standard you can't save yourself. You have to put your faith in Jesus to do it. But on the other hand, loving God and loving your neighbour is something that the Holy Spirit will grow in you if you let him. And the Holy Spirit will help you love God in new ways and keep softening your heart towards your neighbours. And this isn't something to beat yourself up about either. I don't love God as much as I knew I should. Alas, I am totally rubbish at loving my neighbours. It's about which direction you're pointing in. Like, is it the way your heart turns throughout the day? Like, do you keep turning back to God? 
So on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus said this to his disciples, and it just seems a really good way to end this. He said this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I told you this so that my joy may be complete in you, and that your joy may be sorry, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I have command commanded. I no longer call you servants, because the servant doesn't know what their master's business is. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. (coughs) And so really, the reason that we can meet this command of loving God with all our hearts and souls and minds and strength is because it's like a love that's flowed from the Father God to Jesus and then Jesus has loved us whilst we were still sinners he died for us and we receive that love we can choose to receive that love and with that love we can love other people